Let the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Another, there might be a common perception among some that clergy spend their lives making pastoral visits and at St. Stephen's writing reflections and teaching classes and being a part of lots and lots of meetings. <laughs> we do all of that, but every once in a while, like the rest of humanity, um, I'll sit down on the couch and totally get sucked into binge-watching an internet television show. Right now, Ann and I are making our way through one of the best series I've ever seen. Um, we're halfway through the second season of Ted Lasso. It's on Apple TV if you haven't seen it yet. And when I tell you the premise, you probably will have no interest at all. Um, but it is incredible. It, Ted Lasso, played by Jason Sudeikis, is an American football coach who wins the Division II National Championship, which I know in Alabama means absolutely nothing. <laughs> and by some really bizarre series of events, he is hired to coach an English Premier League football team, that's soccer, despite having zero experience coaching and having never been to England. The owner of the team is secretly trying to destroy the football club after inheriting the team from her ex-husband in a divorce. It's kind of like the old movie Major League. The football team is struggling. They're on the verge of being at the very bottom of the Premier League, which in England, that means you, if you, at the very bottom, at the end of the season, you are relegated to the minor leagues, which is the loss of money and exposure. And so Lasso is about to coach this team with zero experience, and you can imagine how this is going to play out. But he has something that is often underestimated and hard to comprehend. He believes, not in his ability to coach. He believes in each person. He believes in them more than their capacity as players, but as people. And, and you can imagine, like, it's the corniest writing I've ever heard, and yet it's still, it breaks your heart open. I mean, this unadulterated belief in each other even to the players who refuse to believe in themselves. And so slowly, this belief begins to win people over. There are signs in the locker room that begin appearing saying, we believe. And I was talking to Connie after the, the 745 service. They, even in her office, she has one of these we believe signs um, from Lasso's show. It's incredible capacity to care that has made this quirky TV show a smash hit. And oddly in this kind of bizarre apocalyptic life that we've been living in. It's just what we need. I found an article in the National Catholic Reporter titled, The Anonymous Christianity of Lasso, in which the author says this, he sincerely cares more about developing relationships and supporting the full flourishing of each player and staff member on his team than he does about winning or losing. 
He's genuinely thoughtful and caring, even when he's the object of derision and scorn, even when he's being set up for failure. He's able to win over the most cynical and selfish people, not through biting argumentation or insult, but through sheer persistence, presence, and dare I say, authentic love. I mean, it kind of, actually, I hope you all go and and spend the $5 for a month subscription of Apple TV because the whole new idea of how love really can transform lives. There's not a a mention of faith in the show that I can recall But I I, I googled Ted Lasso and Jesus, (laughs) and all all sorts of statements and articles appear even going as far as to call him a Christ figure because of his unconditional love for others in a world where that seems like an impossibility. No player is irredeemable, no mistake too impossible to overcome. It's interesting because you know, I think about Lasso is more than just the embodiment of grace. He's what happens after grace touches lives, which allows the more embodiment of resurrection. Today's epistle is from the letter of Paul to the Corinthians. And Corinth is an interesting place for a church. I know we've talked about this before, but If you can picture a map of Greece, there is a chunk of land at the bottom that's connected by a teeny sliver of land, and that's where Corinth is. And so about 100 years ago, maybe a little bit more, um, they built a canal so that boats can just easily cut through as opposed to spending several days traveling around the coast of Greece, which is pretty treacherous waters. Um, The reason that is significant is because they didn't have that canal before. So people would flock to Corinth for work. I, I believe, if, if I recall correctly, that, that at the time of uh, that Jesus, or, or really Paul was there, the town was a, about a quarter million people, and 200,000 of those were there to help the boats get across the land. So what that meant is that you have people flocking from all over to come for work. What that implies is that you have this incredibly diverse community. And, and it's why Paul is saying it's not only for the Gentiles, and, um, but also the Jews. I mean, he's capturing that at the beginning of Corinth. And then, we don't hear it in today's epistle, but before this, probably not a surprise, when you have a diverse community of people from all over, there is conflict. There is conflict in the church people with different backgrounds and beliefs. Surprise. So the section that we read today has to do with spiritual gifts. Paul is addressing the community and reminding them that every single member of the community has received the gift of the Spirit. But the manifestation of those gifts looks different. Paul is helping them to see that they all have a role to play. Some are given wisdom, some knowledge, some healing, the other working of miracles. Some are there for discernment purposes. Here is what I suspect is often overlooked. 
Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the shared spirit for the common good. Every member given the spirit. It's like Paul believes in them. He's kind of, it's like his Ted Lasso moment. He's telling them that they all matter. You know, one of the things that, that gives me pause today is just how much we sit in our camps. I've heard a few comments over the past few years and, and, and a, maybe a few more recently of people wondering if our church is more in one camp than another. And if being a place where every, every single person who walks in can be a full member of the community, then sure, maybe that does define us. But if you think about that practice of inclusivity that also transcends ideology. I think we've become too worried about labels and how they define us. Maybe it's hopeful that this season we're reading from Corinth, this incredibly diverse place that the church thrived and grew. Why? Because Paul, through Christ Jesus, sees that the diversity of gifts offers something greater for the community. And he believes them. And the letter today speaks the same truth to us. I think, and maybe from the last, it sounds like some of y'all have already seen the show, but I think why it's such a gift is because we don't hear support that often. We don't get the encouragement from each other. I'd like to, to believe that Ted Lasso would believe in each of us too. I know that that's what it means to be Christian community. It's to see each person regardless of what it is that their gifts are, regardless of what camp they sit in, what they believe. They receive the same spirit as the rest of us. Paul's telling us that the God that created us believes in us. That every person that walks in matters. I'm hopeful that we have the grace to believe it too so that we can then figure out how to live. Amen.